Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hi, everyone. And welcome to episode 333 of the Professional Book Nerds podcast. Presented by Overdrive. This is Jill. Hi, Adam. How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm good. I'm doing good. Um, I'm just realizing this is the first in like over a month of interviews that I actually did. <laughs> true. That is true. <laughs> um, but yeah. I'm good. It's supposed to be like 80 degrees here today. Yes, it is. Which is weird because I don't think it gets back to going cold. Don't care. I'm wearing a sleeveless dress. So. Uh, yeah, I know. Respect. Yeah, I'm like an idiot wearing long sleeves here. What a fool I am. Uh, today's episode is an inter- interview I did with Alifair Burke. She was in town uh, doing a, a speaking engagement. At, actually, it was one of our local library branches, but it was one that I had never been to. It's very, very Where nice. Where Middleburg Heights, which oh. means nothing to anyone listening, but... Mm. They have a new library, and it's very, very nice. And we got to sit in the director of the library's office. I was like, hey, where do you want to do this, us to do this interview? And she's like, do you want to use my office? And it was very fancy. Um, but she was in town talking about her most recent novel, which is The Better Sister. And it's really good. It's kind of like a family-slash-courtroom drama. Um, we dig into how she created her characters, and how she actually... Uh, does it a lot differently than people than you'll think. She has these characters that kind of like peel back the layers as you go throughout the book. And I assumed that she had all that figured out ahead of time. Nope, she didn't. cool. Yeah, so it was very interesting. Um, And I told her, I joked around, I read her courtroom drama while I was on jury duty. So it was her book was much more exciting than my jury duty was. Um, So yes, that is what today's episode is. Uh, If people want to get a hold of us, how can they do that? Uh, then go to our website, professionalbooknerds.com. From there, they can get all of our social links. We are on Twitter and Instagram at ProBookNerds, and you can email us at professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com. Yes, you can. And if you want some additional podcasts that are similar to ours, you can always check out evergreenpodcast.com. That's the channel that we belong to. Some really cool stuff, uh, Seven Minute Stories and Riffs on Riffs are the two that I always talk about because I listen to those all the time. But there's also Retro Tone News and... Uh, if you're local, there's a couple different ones all about Cleveland, and there's one called Big Audacious Idea, which is some really, uh, really smart podcast people talking about high, big, gigantic ideas. So all really good stuff. You can find those at evergreenpodcast.com. Um, is there anything else you think people should know about at the time? I don't think so. I don't think so either, but uh, one last thing I should have said, I'll be at the Bay Area Book Festival this weekend in... Uh, Berkeley, California, just outside of San Francisco. So if you are in that area, be sure to come check it out. It's a completely free event. They have like 200 authors and over 100 different speaking sessions, all sorts of fun stuff. So we'll be in booth 42 promoting Libby. We'll have pop sockets, all sorts of really cool stuff. So come say hi if you would like to do that. I'm continuing my little trip across America over the next couple of months. So um, all right, that's everything. I hope you guys enjoy this interview with Alifair Burke on the Professional Book Nerds Podcast.
Hey everybody, it's Adam and I am here at our local library and I am really excited to be sitting down with Alfred Burke who is a New York Times and internationally best-selling author of over a dozen novels including The Wife and The Ex. Her latest crime novel, The Better Sister, is now available and has received glowing praise from Pop Sugar, Publishers Weekly, Kirkus, just about every other website you can possibly imagine and for good reason because it's really, really good and I'm excited to geek out. So first off, Alfred, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Okay, so when it comes to mystery and like now crime novels like this i never like to talk about the plot so i'm gonna let you kind of give <laughs> li- listeners an introduction to it because i'm always terrified i'm gonna give away something that yeah you would not want it's really to. hard to say what a suspense novel is yes. about without just ruining the so whole thing hard. it's like <laughs> so how would you describe everybody it dies no i'm just kidding <laughs> um so it the main character uh one of the main characters is a woman named chloe taylor who mm-hmm. uh is very ambitious and type A and people will either love her or hate her depending on how you feel about people (laughs) like that who follow all the rules Uh and raise their hand in class. Uh, And her older sister is the complete opposite. Mm -hmm. Her name is Nikki. And Nikki is the type of person who doesn't raise her hand in class. (laughs) She doesn't go to class. Not exactly. And, um, you know, always seems to have a few too many boyfriends and can't keep a job. And they're very, they're polar opposites. Um, And I... The twist in this uh, sisterly relationship is Chloe is now married to Adam, Mm -hmm. who is a lawyer, who is Nikki's Mm ex-husband. So she lives in New York. She's married to Adam. She's estranged from Nikki now because apparently um, marrying your sister's ex-husband might do that. Sometimes from the fun, yeah. <laughs> um, but she didn't, it's not like she stole um, Adam from right. Nikki. Uh, Nikki lost custody of her young son, Ethan, um, based on something in her own past. Uh, Adam moves to New York and is raising Ethan as a single father. Uh, and Chloe lives there as well. And mm-hmm. Chloe, you know, first it's Aunt Chloe, but eventually Chloe and Adam get together right. and fall in love and get married and live happily ever after until Adam is murdered. Mm-hmm. So when Adam is murdered and Chloe's really just the stepmother to Ethan, um, she has no choice really but to let Nikki back into her life. Mm-hmm. And you find out these, I think the the sister relationship really drives the heart of the book but it's also mm-hmm. where a lot of the twists and the turns come in yeah which I, I can't talk about because they're spoilers and that was exactly why i had <laughs> you do that because that's, I, that was the, the murder was where i was gonna start or yeah. stop as well but i wanted to make sure so like something that i really love and i'm going to steer way away from plot i think from now just okay. to be safe but something i really like about this is i feel like you're playing with a lot of like preconceived notions that people get when it comes to characters yeah so there's a lot uh, you Within the first few chapters, you definitely make a lot of assumptions as a reader about who these characters are, and then you kind of slowly, as you go through the novel, right. you realize maybe <clears throat> that wasn't exactly who they were, and I feel like, was that something that you did by design as you were writing? Like, did you always want to slowly unveil pieces of these characters? Yeah, I think so. So I think of The Better Sister as part of a thematic trilogy it's not a series Mm -hmm. but if you look at my last three books the ex the wife Mm -hmm. and now the better sister um they all focus on women who are interesting and complicated in their own right Mm -hmm. but the scenario that they're thrown into for that particular book finds them um 
carrying around a lot of baggage by virtue of their family status. Yeah. So uh, if you didn't know Chloe, for example, maybe Nikki wouldn't seem quite so messed up. And if you didn't <laughs> mm-hmm. know Nikki, maybe Chloe wouldn't seem like That's so anal. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so, um, but also that the you know siblings are it's a complicated relationship mm-hmm. right i mean they say marriage is forever but it turns out there's a piece of paper that you yeah. can fill out and say deuces <laughs> but siblings, <laughs> siblings you really can't get no. divorced from them um you can say we're through i'm never talking to you again but the minute you know your mom is sick or mm-hmm. something right you're both your sisters again um and siblings adult siblings have a way of they can't just deal with each other as like you would if you met a total stranger, mm-hmm. right? E- even if you think you're dealing with each other at arm's length, there it inevitably is like, this is just like in, when you were eight years old and you took my doll. You know, it, it always seems to go back to these <laughs> roles that people yeah. play in their family. And, and so I... That's so Somebody from the reference desk yeah. needs to return a phone We are call. literally at a library here. Yeah, I wasn't lying about <laughs> Which is that Which a nice place to be. Yeah. Um, but so you're talking about people. All three of those books, though, show that people are not what they always appear to be. And mm-hmm. they almost get forced to play a role mm-hmm. by virtue of... Um, being a wife mm-hmm. or if you're the ex you're going to be always seen as nastier than you really are and if you're the better sister everybody's always going to treat you like that I and I feel like that's something I, there's two things really that I take away from that one being I'm the youngest of four so I always feel like no matter I'm in my mid-30s now it doesn't matter I'm still yeah. the youngest sibling oh, yeah. I will always be the youngest sibling yes. I'll always be mom's baby uh-huh. even though I'm like guys I'm gainfully employed been so for over yeah. a decade but and then you're right, there's one thing, it doesn't matter how, what's going on in our work lives when we get together, it's like, you almost revert to the way that yes, you always exactly. were when you were growing up together. Mm-hmm. But also, with all of those, you said, you're always going to be, like I said, if you're the ex, it always seems like you're going to be nasty, and I, I feel like these types of reactions are, that's like a lot, I feel like that's the way that people really live these days. It's almost like the first few chapters of this book is like, the headlines or the tweet you would see that then people would immediately assume they know the whole story yes. instead of, but then yes. you continue reading. Right. I don't know. To me, it just feels yeah. very poignant. Like I remember when I first read the first, first few chapters, I was like, where's yeah. she going to go with this? I know. I almost feel like the book needs a, um, a warning at the beginning. Cause yes. I feel like if someone doesn't know my work and mm-hmm. know the tricks I tend to play yeah. with character, um, I worry that somebody who picked it up, could read the first three chapters and be like, oh, these characters are stereotypes mm-hmm. and cliche, and oh, yeah, I know where this is going. The two opposite sisters, and one's the better one. And yeah. It's like, just give it a second, okay? <laughs> yeah, let it unfold just a little bit. <laughs> just yeah. wait and watch, because there might be some surprises. Well, and I feel like kind of tearing away at layers of of people like this and when there's kind of cases like this, this I f- assume because of your law background, this has to be something that you kind of feel more comfortable with doing because I would imagine when you're practicing law, and I know that now you're teaching law still. Is yeah, that I do. Yeah. yeah, so I imagine, especially when practicing law, you'd get clients or you'd get a case that you have to prevent yourself from making a snap judgment on. I, I imagine that's a unique thing that as someone who practices or practices and is now teaching, I imagine that's something you get pretty used to yeah i mean particularly i was at the district attorney's office Mm -hmm. um 
to the extent I practice criminal law, it was as a prosecutor, not a, as a defense attorney. And so you really have to fight the urge because at least if you're a defense attorney, you're meeting Mm-hmm. the client face to face you're getting to talk to him or her in their yeah. own words you're meeting their family mm-hmm. in many of the cases when you're the prosecutor you see the police reports you see their mug shots and right. you see them walk in mm-hmm. um, for arraignment and sit there at trial you know you yeah. really don't get to know them mm-hmm. um, and you do have to I think remind yourself like these are real people and mm-hmm. someone loves them and their mother and their brother are here right. and they have kids and I imagine that probably helps, though, from both sides of things, being, you know, kind of looking at it as taking a prosecutor's side of things. I feel like you could probably craft the beginning of a story and say, like, okay, here's how I want people to see them initially. Right. And then thinking about it, well, they're also people, too. Yes. Like, I feel like that, because I don't know, the way that you write characters, I think it's it's strange to say because a lot of my friends who are lawyers, right. I couldn't imagine them writing a book. But yes. if they were going to, this is the type of story I would right. think that you, that you are uniquely qualified to tell. Um, well, thank you. Yeah, I've, um, I don't think it's a spoiler because it's on the book jacket that uh, <laughs> <laughs> Chloe's stepson, who mm-hmm. she raises as her own, even yeah. though it's really Nikki's son, uh, Ethan, becomes a suspect in his father's death. Mm-hmm. And so um, the book is told primarily through the first-person lens of Chloe, mm-hmm. who's been raising him. And so you get to know Ethan first from her viewpoint. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he seems like a good kid. You yeah. know, not a perfect kid, but a good a good kid and then you've got the point of view chapters from the detective who's investigating Adam's murder and you can see her kind of summing up Ethan like oh I've got this kid's number he's a rich spoiled rich kid you know who has way too much entitlement Mm -hmm. and um, you know so the cop doesn't know what Chloe and we know about the good side of Ethan and Chloe doesn't always know the things that uh, the cops are figuring uh-huh. out about her son. So. I'm curious. It's it's really funny. While literally while I was reading this, I was on jury duty. So oh. it, it was like it was just like a random thing where I was like, "This is the next book I'm going to read." And then I was sitting in jury duty as I was doing it. And something I noticed with the way that you write is you put the parts of you put parts of trial in there. You put. Basically, it's it's a very much you know. There's other books and movies like this, but a lot of the the book is about the trial. And having sat in jury duty while I was reading it, I've one of the two was much more interesting. And it was your book <laughs> as opposed to. <laughs> Thank jury you duty. for saying that. Yeah. I, I do think some people think like, oh no, I don't want to read a legal like a courtroom book. Right. But there's really not that many courtroom scenes in it. I think yeah. that what I I think of. Um, to the extent I use the criminal justice system in my more recent books, I would say it's more that I'm telling a story from the family's point of view. The focus is on the characters and their relationships, but I use the tension of the criminal justice system Mm -hmm. to up the stakes and to show what it's like to be a family kind of put through this mill that Mm -hmm. they have no control over. I mean, Gone Girl, for example, no one describes that book as a police procedural right. or a lawyer book. Yeah. But you've got these two cops, you've got the defense attorney, like the media savvy defense attorney, mm-hmm. and then you've got that Nancy Grace kind of media character, <laughs> right, that yeah. kind of shrill uh, former prosecutor mm-hmm. on the television calling for Nick's head. Mm-hmm. And if you think about the roles that those law enforcement characters play mm-hmm. in Gone Girl, mm-hmm. showing up with the Warren and the, those scenes. Yeah. They put Nick through 
the grinder right. way more than Amy could ever do on her own. Mm-hmm. Right? She knows that she's setting him up perfectly uh-huh. um, to fall into the hands of that system where he'll have no power yeah. and just get worked over. Uh-huh. Right? So, oh, spoiler alert, if you haven't read Gone Girl, I, yeah, I think go we're, read it. I think we're in the, in the clear here. I figure anybody listening to this podcast has read Probably Gone Probably in the CFO. Or at least seen the movie. Um, so, yeah, so I don't think of it necessarily as being like scene after scene of objection right. hearsay, yeah. you know. Um, it, it's not that kind of a book, but it's it's this kid kind of being thrown into that system. Yeah. But you definitely put, you, there's definitely enough that in there where people can kind of follow along. And again, like I was just, had this uniquely weird experience of yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's pretty funny. It was literally like, I specifically remember being like, you, you put just enough of this inward and it's obviously very accurate because of yeah. your background. But I was just like, as I was sitting there, I was like, this is a really, it's, I, Man, because we were doing the whole voir dire process. It was like three days of voir dire. I feel like if they knew what you were reading, they'd kick you off the jury. I was hoping... Well, ironically, I ended up no. I knew one of the attorneys. And so as I sat down on day one, the whole initial process, they were like, does anyone have anything that they, you know, should let us know? And I literally raised my hand. I was like, college friends with... The, the, the yeah. defense. Like, Bye. And they just, and I sat there for three days of the water process. No. Yes. Yeah, so the prosecutor. They should have immediately stuck you thank back you. in the pool. Thank you. The yeah. prosecutor was like, well, you understand where I'm coming from that you probably wouldn't be great at this jury. And I was like, yes, I agree. And then it was another <laughs> day before they, they let me go. Was, uh, that's another here nor there. Um, speaking of Gone Girl and various books like that, I was like recently we also had Harlan Coben on and it just happened to be like back to back I was reading both your books and I'm just thinking as you're talking about like Gone Girl and things as a person who writes these books is it hard for you to be surprised by other crime Uh, novels or things like that? Yeah. Because I I imagine you would be able to look at it. I mean I could make up a different answer but yeah I mean there's uh, and I even I think even before I wrote them Mm -hmm. I was good at figuring things out because I read tons of crime fiction. If yeah. you read tons of crime fiction, you get to know a lot of the, the tricks. Beats, yeah. Um, but there are people who still surprise. Harlan still surprises me yeah. a lot, and I still surprise him. There's a mutual that's respect amazing, there. Yeah. Um, so I know his his most recent book, the one that's out now, Run, Run Away, Run Away, is one of my very favorite. Of it's his. so good. Like, I don't I don't think anyone's gonna be like, oh yeah, I saw that. Coke if coke. someone guesses that one, they're lying. Yeah, yeah I completely agree. <laughs> and same thing with yours. Like if yeah. someone says, uh, yeah, I, I knew it was gonna happen. Like, you're yeah. absolutely wrong. I'm just thinking of it like because those are these are still the types of books you like to read as a reader too, right? right? But the key is, it's not easy to come up with something that people didn't see coming that doesn't seem outlandish. Mm -hmm. Um, That's there's a happy feeling when you have something where it's like no one's going to figure this out, but they can. Yeah, I've been fair about it. There's clues that are in there. Exactly. Yeah, you're not doing those one of those things where like just the answer comes out of left field. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Something that he told us speaking of Harlan is that he comes up with the big plots was at the end and then everything else though he'll kind of write as he goes and he'll figure it out as he goes and then we had um lee child tell us basically he doesn't it's the opposite he yeah just yeah. goes from word one and tries yeah. to write himself into a corner so how do you like to lay out novels because i'm always blown away by mystery novels or crime novels like i like my biggest thing is when i read agatha christie books i'm like how yeah did she come up with those plot points? So how do you kind of, like, are you kind of a planner or a pantser when it comes to that situation? Um, I am not much of a planner, I have to say, but um, I do know, I know the things that I find interesting about the characters mm-hmm. and I know how they match up to the plot, yeah. if that makes sense. Because I think some not great books in the genre sometimes come up with, come to be when someone really just wants to write 
a novel that maybe isn't a crime novel, mm-hmm. but to make it a genre book, they kind of come up with some serviceable plot sure. and take the characters they want to write about and slot them into it. Mm-hmm. And then you can also wind up with a somewhat mediocre book if you are motivated by a really cool, twisty plot. Mm-hmm. And then you slot in serviceable characters. characters yeah. um, for me, the best books, they go hand in hand. The mm-hmm. plot works because of who the characters right. are. And so when I feel like I have found that, mm-hmm. um, that will usually lead me to the big aha twists. So, um, and then I start. So do you kind of, do you create... I take way too long to decide that I'm ready to start. <laughs> but <laughs> so, I kind of need all those pieces to click. Yeah. Okay, so I'm curious, do you kind of create character profiles again? Because like, I, I know that no. listeners are probably thinking like harping on this, but like, yeah. the, the <clears throat> fully formed characters that you have in here where it's like you slowly learn something else about them. I, I'm so impressed that you're saying that you kind of add on those pieces as you go that's yeah I I guess I mean if you think about it you're writing a book you're thinking about a book for a year essentially um, and you're writing it for several months and I'll know the characters a lot better Mm. at the end Mm -hmm. than I knew them at the beginning so Mm -hmm. what I often do is I hit period on page 400 or whatever and then I go back to the beginning and I give it the first ever clean read beginning to end Mm. and by then I know the characters better so I'm kind of like oh those first three chapters are a little generic I wind up doing a lot of rewriting at the front Mm -hmm. um, very little rewriting at the end I imagine that helps you kind of drop in like you said sort of those clues to go go back and so do you I can ask this I I'm just Again, I'm just blown away by the fact that you can have these characters. Do you feel like you're writing kind of in their mind as you're writing specific, like, first-person chapters? Oh, definitely. Chapters? Yeah. Yeah. Kind of, like, put yourself, like, in the detective's mind. As, yeah, you like, can how actually kind of hear that person. Yeah. Yeah, it's a weird way to live for several months. And then, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I always imagine crime novels have, like, like there's a famous, uh, like, meme from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia where he's got, like, the red yarn all over the place like i would just imagine that's like you have like a basement or something right like this, well i do use um i do use index cards mm-hmm. a lot of the time or last for this last book i bought a huge whiteboard that my husband helped me hang on the office wall because <laughs> like literally one person couldn't do mm-hmm. it because of end to end you couldn't reach it with your arms um, and the huge whiteboard did look like a serial killer's lair. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> it had different colored ink for the d- different characters. Uh-huh. It was like, my husband walked in, he's like, are you okay? <laughs> that's so good. Somebody, someone told us, I don't remember who it was. Um, I couldn't post it online because it had, had too much of a story. Yeah. But I did send it to a couple of my writer friends and they're like, okay, you are scary. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if it was, uh, Jody Pico or somebody, we spoke to somebody who was basically like, yeah, I'm not proud of my google search for like the past year just because like i'm sure that someone in the government is yeah, looking exactly. at the things that i'm looking at it's like i promise i'm writing the story um crime and crime novels and stuff this is something you've always been fascinated by i think i saw you there was something about a serial killer in your... I know, yeah i okay. grew up in wichita kansas uh-huh. that had a serial killer so basically right when my parents moved us there in 1977 mm-hmm. Um, the Wichita Police Department announced that, oh yeah, by the way, we're now deciding to tell the public that there's a serial killer who's yeah. killed several people, including women and children. Um, so that was really fun. <laughs> but uh, growing up in Wichita um, in the late 70s and all the way through the 80s, mm-hmm. uh, 
I didn't realize it wasn't normal. Mm-hmm. Like the, I still do this to this day. When you we well, I don't check the phone line anymore because nobody has phones. But right. You used to walk in and check the phone line, mm-hmm. check all of your locks, and people had um, locks mm-hmm. on their basement doors because but you know everybody has basements in Kansas right. because of um, tornadoes. Right. Um, and you would everybody had bolts on those mm-hmm. because it was thought that he came in through the basement. basement yeah so that's a great way to grow up too you know oh, every time you'd go to this day go when i go the down to the basement to do my laundry i'm oh. like as fast as i can i'm like oh, grab it go no. <laughs> um and but growing up then like slumber party talk you know you'd you would do the freeze each other bras and talk mm-hmm. about what boys you liked and then you would sit there and talk about who you thought the btk serial killer was oh my god <laughs> That is a wildly it's, different childhood than most people have. I know. So, I mean, I'm laughing about it, but it's seriously dark stuff. And mm-hmm. you go, I mean, I don't know that I've ever read. Uh, well, there's one other case that, yeah, that's actually really bad, too. Yeah. There's maybe two cases of, of just the most grisly, horrific, uh-huh. sadistic um, torture that you could imagine. <laughs> He's one of them. So is this like a writing your own fear kind of a thing? I think so. I mean, um it was around that time that, so my mom was a librarian, uh, speaking of libraries, mm-hmm. and she used to always take me to the public library on Saturdays to get books, um, and I just started to have this hunger for mystery books. I loved those Encyclopedia yeah. Brown books, oh, yeah. and I was always like, I'm going to solve it, and I do think that there is something, I think it's part of the reason why people do like crime fiction, mm-hmm. is there's that resolution at the end feels good. It's like, yeah. it feels all chaotic and topsy-turvy in the middle, but you kind of know at the end there's going to be some kind of, you know, if not good guys always win, there's at least some kind of closure, mm-hmm. there's some kind of restoration of order, I think is what people call it. And um, I think as a kid, I, I wanted to read those stories yeah. of like, so, like someone's going to figure this out, right? right? You yeah. know, I was yearning for those books where someone figures uh-huh. it all out. He didn't get caught for 30 years. That's insane. I, yeah. That is, yeah, that gives me like all of the creepy crawlies. Yeah. That's, oh. Uh-huh. Um, I mentioned before we started recording, so you've written standalones and you've done series and you've done collaborative works. And I'm curious, first off, do you have a preference of which style is or just whatever is kind of on your brain at the moment? Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to decide what I think I said. I waste a lot of time trying to not waste, but I Mm. spend too much time, um, trying to figure out when to start and what to start yeah. and I think part of it is because my books aren't you know they are the series books are a little different from the standalones right. and you can have an idea for a story and not know what the tone of it should be mm-hmm. or who the main characters are whether it's yeah. a series book or not mm-hmm. the challenge with the series is like I said it ha- to me it has to be the a, a perfect pairing mm-hmm. between the protagonist and the plot and so sometimes you want to make sure that you're doing that right. So yeah. sometimes the book calls for a standalone. So my next book, for example, is almost like a hybrid. Mm-hmm. It's like Ellie Hatcher's doing some stuff in one place and some other lady's <laughs> doing something in some other place and they're going to eventually, you know, figure out that each of them has half of the puzzle. But. Yeah. And then I, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about Mary Higgins Clark. I, so how, how did that partnership come to fruition. Right. Um, this is where the point of view chapters would be helpful because uh-huh. I only know my side of it. Yeah. And I know what she has said, which I guess I can repeat. But uh, she had a book called um, I've Got You Under My Skin mm-hmm. that they saw the potential, she saw the potential for a spinoff or a series yeah. where 
Uh, some of the characters did a TV show called Under Suspicion, mm. which is uh, a news-based reality show that mm. reinvestigates cold cases using the people who were close to the actual yeah. crime. Yeah. So that's a good premise for a that's, series, yeah, right? Absolutely, so yeah. the intrepid TV producer, yeah. uh, Lori Moran, but she didn't want um, to be kind of tied to doing mm-hmm. a book a year series because she traditionally writes standalones. Yeah. So they started talking about, well, what if you had a co-author mm-hmm. to take some of the, you know, to loosen the lo- lessen the load a bit. And uh, then stuff happens that yeah. I, <laughs> I don't know about. And I get a phone call saying, you know, will you meet with Mary Higgins Clark? And I'm like, uh, yeah. Yeah. And then <laughs> it's yeah. like, let me check my calendar. Like, well, yes, of course. When? Where so right. we had lunch um, at her house and talked about um, what that would look like mm-hmm. and how our process basically and what and I think the thing that clicked is we both find plot through character mm-hmm. and I think that's when we thought that's how we could make it work right. and we kind of came up with an idea that might work for the first book in the series we wrote a few chapters. And then, you know, we both said, okay, well, let's try one. If it's a disaster, we'll at least have fun. <laughs> right. Um, and we've done five already and yeah. just agreed to do two more. So. so is this like a every other chapter via email? I'm just imagining, like, writing no. a chapter and having, like, Mary Higgins Clark over my shoulder. Like, that's not the right <laughs> verb. To, like, I, I, you know what I mean? That's... Um, so we uh, meet. Mm-hmm. And before we start drafting a single page, um, we just talk about... It's almost like we have our own writing room. Yeah. Like what, like a TV show right. would do. And we talk through who all the characters are, what are the red herrings, mm-hmm. what are the big clues going to be, yeah. what are the lies, you know, who's going to figure out what. And then um, we turn that into a synopsis that okay. kind of goes back and forth and we layer in. Mm-hmm. Without again, it's still not scene by scene. It's right. just if I lost that thing on a plane, let's just say you would have the whole book. <laughs> uh-huh. um, and then uh, I usually take a first stab at kind of turning the synopsis into an actual yeah. structured book, and then she takes that and does her Marion's Clark magic, yeah. and then we pass that back and forth. So that is um, it, it is co-authored, but it's co-authored sort of in phases, yeah. if that makes sense. Oh, that's yeah. so interesting, because we've, we've interviewed people. Um, There's different ways of yeah, doing it. Yeah, like Gary Hendricks and Sarah and so they do it entirely, like basically via Google Hangouts, and that just sounds impossible to me. And then I'll have, the, I've talked to YA, then I've talked to YA authors um, like David They're Levithan. both in the document at the mm-hmm. same time? Yeah. And they basically write every single line together. And then like David Levithan has told me he'll write uh, YA back and forth with the other authors and they don't ever see each other. It's entirely through email. Like one of them will send a chapter, then the other one will send a chapter and then they'll edit and then they'll kind of forget who wrote what. Oh, this is blowing my mind. It's, it, yeah. When she, when they told me that and they said once, um, Sarah Pekinen and Greer Hendricks, they said like once every month they'll meet because one of them's in dc one of them's in new york i think they said and so they'll either meet in the middle or they meet in one of the cities for right. like a 72 hour yeah in a hotel room they don't leave i just did a q a thing uh did you read uh, angie kim's book it's a debut called miracle creek i have not read that yet, um no. she organized a google hangout interview with mm-hmm. um me allison galen and laura lipman yeah and the, the 
three seasoned people had never done a Google Hangout, <laughs> and Angie, I guess, had. And we were like, wait, I, what? what is it? What are we That's... doing? Anything called a Hangout sounds great. Uh-huh. And But it was, it did work remarkably well. Yeah. We got a huge discussion yeah. done in about half an hour, but we were just all in there kind of typing. But it, we were typing an interview, so it's like my answer is labeled as my answer. Right. So I don't know how that would work. Yeah. And now I, I'm intrigued by that. When they, and I even, like, I interviewed them there in two different places, and we were, I was in a different, we were yeah. all on different places on the phone, and actually, like, it's like they just fall into this rhythm right. where I was like, all right, I'm going to ask one of you a question, and I'm going to try and keep this, and they both So they're knew sentence and, by sentence. Yeah, all together. It's, yeah, I, they basically said we are don't know. Are they on know. the phone at this time, um, Usually, so Google Hangouts, you can do, like, the video right. chat, like Skype and stuff okay, like that. Okay, so they're, So yeah. They're basically, yeah, just kind of staring they're at each other. not just seeing the document they can talk yeah be like now what's gonna happen it still blows my mind i I could see that yeah i could see that so yeah that's but it's really really interesting i guess that makes more sense than writing like a a chapter and then just hoping that the story flows but yeah um all right so at the end of our podcast we like to do nine kind of light-hearted questions that we call the nerd nine okay um so try not to give too much thought into these and of course when i say that people tend to think too much about them so first one is what's the last book you finished reading uh, Conviction by Denise Mina, which is terrific. It's not out yet, though. Okay. But it'll be, it will be. Do you have a favorite place to read? Uh, in bed. Uh, what is the book that kind of made you fall in love with reading when you were a kid? Uh, the Mixed Up Files of Mrs. Basil E. Frankweiler. <laughs> nice. Is that the one that the, um, the Met, Met? Museum? Yeah. yeah. Where my husband works now, that which is, is amazing. That I'm is like, fantastic. Will you please let me hide in the museum overnight? Oh, that's so great. <laughs> um, what's one place you'd like to travel that you have not yet been to? Oh, I would like to go um, to Spain. Awesome. Uh, do you have a favorite holiday to celebrate? Uh, Thanksgiving. Coffee or tea? Uh, tea. Cats or dogs? But only oh. cold. I don't like any hot beverages. So, okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> Diet Coke is my answer to coffee okay. or tea. <laughs> uh, cats or dogs? Uh, I like them both, but dogs. Favorite food? Uh, Tex-Mex. If you get a Cheese din- enchiladas, to Ooh, be specific. That sounds really good. <laughs> uh, if you get a dinner with one person, alive or dead, who would you pick? My husband. Oh, that's such a good cheesy answer. Whatever. <laughs> cheesiest. Yeah. Speaking of cheese and yeah. gelato. Well, you're also on a book tour, so I assume you're away from him, yes. so that's fair. He's, I'm particularly fond of him right now. Okay. All right. Uh, last question. What do you hope readers take away from reading The Better Sister? Um, I want I want it to be the kind of book that you just can't put down. That you, you regret starting it at ten o'clock before you go to bed because huh. you won't sleep. Like I, I don't know if that's a takeaway. I want uh, it to just be addictive. I can confirm that it is. Oh, so good. thank you so much for joining thank us. Thank you. It's been really nice to talk to you. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen podcasts, visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Adam Sokol and Jill Grunewald and presented by Rakuten Overdrive. For more information, visit professionalbooknerds.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.